Hello, and welcome to another episode of Healing Racism in Schools with your host, Charlotte Stevens and the Ancestors. Happy autumn. Happy autumn to you wherever you are, if it's autumn. It's autumn where I am. Happy autumn to you. And I I wanted to thank all my listeners. Thank you so much for everybody who has reached out, who has offered me support, offered me ideas, advice. Um, Thank you so much. And I will be interviewing people soon, which is super exciting. So I know so many brilliant people who I want to showcase. And so I'm excited to be able to do that on my platform. So yay. Um, Just going to take a moment to honor the ancestors. Appreciating the lineage that I come from and knowing that um, I must come from a long line of people who, <laughs> who speak truth to power. I certainly know that my parents um, spoke tr- continue to speak truth to power, so at least my mom. Um, I was honored to be featured on two platforms. So the Systematic Diversity and Inclusion Group I spoke on the future of education on a Thursday. Um, I was on a panel with David Hoffman and Lois. I forgot her last name. I feel badly about that. Um, but with Dr. Joseph Nawe, I need to learn how to say his last name. So look at me making mistakes. I need to learn how to say these people. I need to learn this woman's last name and um, uh, this this Dr. Joseph's last name, how to pronounce it. But um. Yeah, I spoke about the future of education, um, and I was also um, speaking on Dink's platform. So Dink is an inclusive uh, professional network, primarily in the UK, uh, an alternative to things like LinkedIn, which still center whiteness and white supremacy. Yeah, I said it. Um, So I got to speak on their platform, and I was talking about racism in schools from the UK to the USA, like it's the same thing. And it was um, interesting yet disheartening that, you know, black, black Brits or or black British students are having the same experience or very, very similar, similar experience to uh, black students over here. Um, And it's, it's upsetting. So 95% of black British students said that they felt that racism was the number one deterrent to them being successful in schools. Uh, 70% said that they felt pressured to um, process their natural hair and that, you know, they could not just show up as they are. Um, And then 93% of the heads of schools in the UK are white and 34% of their population is of color. So similar, you know, very, very similar demographics, very similar problems. And um, on one hand, it's good for business. But on the other hand, that's just, it's just, I want to be put out of business, right? How so many people have so many people have said that who are in businesses that should be unnecessary, right? It should be unnecessary um, to have a business that is eradicating racism in schools. Like racism shouldn't be there, and it should be um, it shouldn't be extra to have to have this as part of teacher training. This should be an extensive part of teacher training, um, but it's not prioritized. So I was grateful to speak on those platforms. And one thing that I'm very passionate about um, that I just want to speak to as much as possible is the need to do this work within the STEM curriculum. And what I spoke about on these platforms um, earlier this week or today was the, that 
the future of the world is is in tech and is in is in STEM. It's in science. It's in um, cli- you know, uh, science that's going to help us with climate change and make sustainable products. It's in um, you know all this technology, three D printing, um, all these advances, right? Like so. That's where the money is. That's where, you know, the jobs are. That's where the opportunity is. That's where, you know, we're going to hopefully save the planet. You know, that's, that's where all of that is. And so, but when you look at who is dominating those professions or not dominating, who is, um, who is most often employed in, in, in the positions, uh, in the position of being engineer or scientist that is still, um, heavily male male dominated and um primarily white and asian males so well why is that that's because you know our stem classes are still not inclusive right our stem classes still are not doing all they can to perpetuate the genius of our our girls or or non-binary students Our, our our classes are still not um showing the contributions of people of color so what you can't if you can't see it you can't be it like you can't dream that 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 is a possibility it's not presented as something that's um available to you because I really believe that all of this is about opportunity it's not about an, an access it's not about you know um achievements you know it's, it's like our, our, our people can achieve like people of color have been achieving uh since I mean that's why uh, we were exploited right because we could achieve so well d- despite having so little look what we were able to do like my ancestors built like you know the United States as well as you know everywhere else that they were enslaved so we know how to achieve it's about opportunity it's about having the having access and so um our stem classes are 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 still perpetuating white supremacy and what i and the point that i will continue to make is that when we when we make person and white synonyms when we say oh um, you know, a person was did X, Y, and Z, and everybody, at, you know, when they hear that, it thinks white person. And we do this through, through like when the media is describing somebody, they will only associate race or color to them when that person is not white. Otherwise, it's just a person. And so white people get the message that they don't have a racial identity. And we get the message that like, you know, person and, and white are the same or American and white is the same or British and white is the same or woman and white is the same. And, and it's not. And so what that does is when you're in a science class, and you're in a math class, and you hear about an invention or, you know, Pythagoras theorem or, or whatever the concept might be or whatever you're talking about the the assumption is oh a person invented that and that person was probably white because you know we we have been taught that white is right and white people invent everything and, and, and you know etc cetera, etc cetera. like that's what we're taught and we we ne- we very rarely if ever see any examples of people of color in their inventions and certainly not black people like if you ask like the average student to name like you know 10 to 20 inventions by black people they couldn't when we have countless inventions like the smoke detector you know the elevator um the refrigerator the air conditioner the gas uh, the gas mask the um the fire extinguisher, the open heart surgery, the first, uh, uh, one of the first baby carriages, like there's so many, you know, like George Washington Carver alone came up with a gazillion, like it's ridiculous, but, but people don't have that information and they should. And so it's a real disservice when we make this discussion all about literacy 
and we do not hold STEM and mathematics accountable because I mean, if, you, if even if you like, if you were a parent and your kids like, oh, I want to be a writer, most parents are like, you're gonna starve, right? Like, but if your parent, if your kids like, I'm gonna be an engineer, you're stoked because you know that that is a sustainable career. You know that that's always going to be, you know, those are always going to be em- employable skills, and not to not to uh, di- dish on um, liberal arts and and those types of degrees. Um, they're obviously valuable. I, I have one, but um, I'm just saying, like, you know, you would be. We know that this is where sustainable, the sustainable jobs are, the sustainable employment is, and that is in these professions. So we cannot just throw up our hands and be like, oh, I, you know, I don't know how to do that. It's, it's a matter of wanting to do it. And I think that that's really what has made me successful with it because it's like, I don't specialize in STEM, but when I would uh, guest teach a STEM course, I would certainly make sure to make it inclusive and to make connections and to connect to my students and for to have them see something different. Because even your white students are bored with the same old story, with the same old pictures, the same old, like, I mean, it's boring, right? I mean, like the thing about history is that history is like reality TV, but just in the past. It's like, it's, it's, it's sex, it's scandal, it's, it's betrayal. It's all that juicy stuff that we love watching when it's, you know, not our lives, but somebody else's, right? Like that's history. But the BS that we're teaching in class, I mean, one of the reasons that our, our kids are bored with it is because it's not real and they know it's not real, right? So this, we need to stop perpetuating these boring, dry, you know, myths that aren't, that aren't even interesting. So there's all kinds of ways to incorporate STEM. So I wanted to highlight, um, what I saw in teaching tolerance magazine. So teaching tolerance magazine is fantastic. It is free for educators. It is a wealth of information every time, um, an issue comes out. I think they only come out seasonally, but such, such good stuff. I do not like the title. Um, I don't need anyone to tolerate me. Like you tolerate, like, you know, I I tolerate the smell of broccoli. You know what I mean? Like I don't need to be tolerated. So I do not like the title. However, it's a fantastic, um, magazine. And so I was reading about this teacher named Sam Long, and this is a teacher, um, teaching social justice and high school science class. Right. So in, um, Westminster, Colorado. So in his biology and chemistry classes and on his website, Gender Inclusive Biology, Sam Long offers a model for understanding and teaching social justice through STEM. In all of his work with students, Long celebrates human diversity. Early on, he takes time to explain his transgender identity and the importance of respecting each other's identities in a diverse world. Later, his students learn about diversity in the natural world how some species change sexes and have some traits similar to bisexuality. They learn how diversity helps species survive. Side note, there was all kind of homosexuality and like, yeah, bisexual, all kind of various sexualities within the animal kingdom, which I think makes complete sense. And when we think about, you know, um, how our society is like only 10% um, gay or, or 10% LGB, 10% um, gay, as far as I know, um, or, or lesbian, that would make sense as far as population control. We got too many people. There's too many freaking people on the planet. In addition to, there's plenty of straight people who don't procreate and don't, or don't even have kids. So it's just the whole argument is ridiculous. So all throughout nature, you will see um, spectrums of homosexuality or bisexuality or, or various sexualities. Like it's just uh, silly that we are so uh, threatened by 
by diversity, diversity of, of identity and that we can't just respect people. Like it's just, it's just like, for me, it's just like, I don't want to disrespect anybody. That's just what it comes down to for me. I, I don't want to disrespect you. So like when I, when I, when I do disrespect people, when I like don't say their name properly or I misgender them or, or whatever, like that sucks. That is a missed opportunity for me to connect with a person in a way that's really meaningful. And I know that for a lot of people, like it's also very painful when over and over again, you're disrespected in that same way. Like, you know, I love all of you except these parts, you know, we're not like cheeseburgers where you can just take off, you know, the tomatoes, like you have to, you have to take all of it. So that's what it comes down to for me. It's just like, I don't want to disrespect you. That's not, there's nothing about that that I get off on. Like, I, I want to respect you. That's important to me. It's a value I have. So that being the case, it's like, it just seems very simple to me to like not even get into, you know, what other what other people's personal beliefs might be. Like at the end of the day, I just want you to feel respected and I want you to feel okay in the skin that you're in. So that trumps everything for me. Ew, I said Trump. Um, so anyway, uh, but Long doesn't only connect, connect science um, and identity to diversity. His students also learn about the relationship between science and justice. They learn about junk science and discuss how false assumptions about race harm Black people, Indigenous people, and people of color. They learn that men of color are disproportionately convicted of crimes, and they learn how the scientific breakthrough of DNA fingerprinting has exonerated hundreds. In helping them understand the connection between social social justice and STEM, Long helps his students think about the role science can play in advancing or implementing a more just future. I believe that Sam Long was able to do this because it's a value of of his, and when it's a value of yours, you will you will find creative ways to make it happen, and that's that's what it comes down to for me. Is that I feel like you know some of our educators, it's just not a value, or you feel like it's something that you can do every now and then, or you can sprinkle it in here and there, like oh during Latinx History Month or you know um, Native American or Indigenous History Month, like oh you know I'll pay attention to it then and look what a good job I'm doing, and it's just like no, it it needs to be there all the time. It needs to be there all the time. And you could be the one who who interrupts somebody who is on their way to being some type of murderer or some type of, of terrorist or some type of, you know, um, racist. You know, you could be the one that, that prevents a murder, you know, that prevents another death, another tragedy, another national outcry because you change the trajectory of that kid's thinking of, of their perspective. I know I've had a lot of kids who like when they, they first walked into my class and maybe that's some of the things I was saying, they just were like, you know. I'm not sure about you. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure about this class. Like, I, I don't know. But then by the end of the year, they were like, you changed me in ways that I didn't think I could change. You know, there was some, I'm sure I've, 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 I've explained things about, you know, the transgender identity that really, well, I'll, just, I'll just share it with you. It was a TED Talk. And I want to find it because I don't remember the name of, of who it was. But they made this analogy that just really hit home for me as far as, um, identity when you when you when your prescribed um, sex at birth does not match you know who you feel you are so for me as a woman this would be the analogy for me so or somebody who identifies um, as as a cisgender woman this would be the analogy for me so it's like you know I'm lying in bed and I'm getting or I'm getting up in the morning and I'm thinking about you know what I'm gonna wear like maybe I have another talk um, another live stream or I'm on another panel and so I'm like thinking about um 
you know, what dress I'm going to wear and, you know, what earrings I'm going to coordinate with the dress and am I going to wear my contacts today or like maybe my red glasses or maybe my black glasses, I don't know, um, you know, thinking about my nails, um, thinking about all of that, right? And then, and then getting up in the morning and then looking in the mirror and instead of seeing like my face or my, my smooth like skin, I see like um, facial hair. Or instead of, um, you know, seeing my, my curves, I see like this masculine, like, you know, form and just not identifying at all with who I think I am or who I, how I see myself and what the world sees. And so that really helps me understand having an identity that does not match what, how I'm, how I'm seen. And, and so, um, I, when I presented that same concept to some of my students you know that was that was their aha moment where they were like they got it and it was like you know my thing is like you don't have to fully understand what where somebody else is going through to respect them right you don't have to make their situation worse you don't have to vilify them or bully them like what is the point right it's not even necessary and just because you don't get it just because you're ignorant just because it doesn't add up for you like who the hell are you anyway to like you know why does your opinion even matter so my point being is that um, you have a real opportunity to open people's hearts and minds. Because at the end of the day, like live and let live. Who get, who who cares, right? I who, who care? I don't care. And I really do want people to be good with who they are and comfortable in their skin. Because people who are secure don't hurt other people. You know, I really feel like white supremacy. It, it comes down to deep seated insecurity within white people. That I'm just I I absolutely believe that that's what it is. That as a people, because y'all cut yourselves off from who you are, from your ancestors from your identity, from who you were as, as um, uh, people from Ireland and Scotland and England and, 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 and France, like, because you don't know who you are anymore, you're trying to fill that void with all kinds of superficial things like, like domination or um, drugs for a lot of you, you know, um, or, or trying to take on other people's cultures, cultural appropriation, because you don't have a connection. Like you don't, like you, everything's been bastardized. Like the mohawk has cultural relevance. The ta- tattoos have cultural relevance. Piercings have t- cultural relevance. Uh, surfing has cultural relevance. Um, Hip hop has cultural relevance. Uh, the people doing psychedelic drugs, like peyote, um, has cultural relevance. And yet, white culture gets a hold of it. Yoga has cultural relevance and just bastardizes it. Just, just like ex- exploits whatever there is to sell and to um, manipulate and manufacture, but totally is devoid and, and disconnected from like mother earth and, and centuries and history and, and, and the ancestors. And it's because y'all cut yourselves off from who you are. Like only you can heal that. Only you can heal that. You need to go remember who you are. You're out of touch. You, you're out of touch with, with mother earth. You're out of touch with, with, with who you are. Like, I really believe that one of the reasons why white people lack rhythm is, is that out of touchness because the universe has rhythm. Your heart has rhythm. Like, at like, the it's natural to have rhythm and yet y'all don't have rhythm because you're out of touch with the earth you're out of touch with who you are and so anyway deep-seated insecurity like it comes that's that's i don't even know what my point was about how it connects back to stem but deep-seated insecurity is what i was what i see with with white folks and it's because you're out of touch with with your connection to the earth so stem and math have opportunities to to connect, you know, um, and to create an anti-racist curriculum. So within math, you know, I've shared this before, but there's a video um, where it talks about the different contributions of different cultures to mathematics. 
um, that the fractions came from the Egyptians who were black. Um, the, the pyramids, they still don't even know how they made them, right? But they're in alignment with Orion's belt. That's astronomy that the, the ancient Africans were doing well before the um, Europeans, you know, knew about astronomy. Like um, the abacus and the Chinese and, and there's all, it's, it's really in depth. I forget all the details, but like search for that. Like that's, that was not a hard, that's a five minute search on YouTube, multiculturalism or, or like multicultural history or whatever math. Like I did not struggle. This is not hard. It's just a matter of, is it a value of yours? Do you care? Is it a priority? Are you trying to make connections? Because people are really freaking creative. We are geniuses. We are so innovative. I mean, you, you can get lost in the internet and YouTube videos and TikToks and all this stuff because people are so ridiculously creative. So when people are not creating like connections between STEM and like anti-racism, I just have to feel like you don't want to. I mean, just, but it's not that it just doesn't, I mean, I don't know. I, I, get, I am an expert, so maybe it is harder than, but I just also feel like, you know, I, I've become an expert because this is a value of mine. So every time I walked into a classroom, I wanted to be able to make sure that, I mean, what I, what I tell people is that whatever I teach is ethnic studies. Every course I teach is ethnic studies because that's the world we live in. I mean, it, it was ridiculous to just be teaching from a white-centered perspective because, again, only 10% of the world global population is white. And white people are one of the, the youngest ethnic groups to, to have evolved. So it's like there was all these other people of color way before there were ever white folks, and yet we're spotlighting white folks like it, it doesn't it just doesn't even make sense which is why you know every like I said every class whether I'm in what whether it's math whether it's biology you know I don't care it's stem I mean I'm sorry it's, not, it's going to be a ethnic studies we're going to learn about all of us and also like teachers like then you have kids who are engaged I mean I've had teachers come up to me after I guess taught and they'd be like yo that kid that you that that kid in your, that that kid whoever that kid is, like when I had that kid or, or, or my experience with that kid is they're bouncing off the walls and they don't pay any attention and they're not engaged, but they were like glued to whatever it is you were talking about. And, you know, they were like, what were you talking about? And I was like, I was explaining white supremacy. I was explaining racism. You know, I was explaining something that's relevant to this kid's life. And so, yeah, he's this kid's engaged. Imagine that. Like when you start incorporating this into your curriculum, everybody's going to be engaged. Like now the students who, who were maybe slacking off or, or not even slacking off, but disengaged because they didn't see themselves in your curriculum and felt like you're never talking to them. Now when you're, they do see themselves in the curriculum, they're like, oh my gosh, like this is accessible for me too. This is available for me too. So there's no excuse. There is no excuse for our, our sleeping on these issues as though, you know, Again, it's not life and death for our students. And as though that's not where we know the economy is headed. And there's a reason why, you know, these tech companies, like I said, I'm in Silicon Valley with all these tech companies. And there's a reason why there there are not a lot of people of color and not a lot of um, women. And also these tech companies, and another reason why is because we know that if you have an ethnic sounding name or if they can identify your race by your name, that there's a good chance you're not going to get a call back regardless of whether or not you have the skills. And that's called affirmative action for white people. I mean, that's really what it is, is that it's not about qualifications. It's about, are you going to remind us, you know, about racism? Are you going to make us uncomfortable? Are you going to come in here wearing a Black Lives Matter pin? Like, you know, it has to, it's all about culture fit and making sure that we're comfortable. And it's not about, you know, having the best talent or having diversity. And we know that teams that are diverse do better. They make more money, which makes sense, again, because it's a global economy. Like, just like 
nature does better with more diversity, right? The more diverse um, like traits an animal has or whatever, the better chances of survival. We know the same is true for teams. We know the same is true for like schools. And we know that it's going to really prepare our, our kids for a global society. So here's what I have to say to like educators is, most educators will have some type of statement um, in their mission statement that says, you know, we're committed to diversity and equity. Like, oh, you know, that's important to us. And we're all about making sure that our leader, our, our children are global learners and that they're prepared for a global um, economy. And um, we believe every child can learn. Right. And those are great statements to make. Just like when people are saying Black Lives Matter. But actually putting some money behind that, having a budget for some real training, actually, you know, holding your staff accountable, not letting them opt out of the training, not letting them, you know, uh, put it to the side, but actually holding them accountable, actually putting some policies in place. That's what makes the real difference. Your little diversity statement or your equity statement or your commitment to all learners means nothing when your data still shows that you are suspending and disciplining, you know, black kids at a ridiculously high rate. You are still depriving black and brown kids of their right to an education. Still. How is that acceptable when we know what that means for that population? Unless we're just unless we, we say that that is acceptable, unless you're saying that that's OK. So it's not enough for schools to just make these statements, you know, that you believe every kid can learn. Yet somehow these kids aren't learning. So what's happening here? If, if this if, 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 if year after year after year, decade after decade, a certain population is not learning, but you believe every kid can learn. Is it just that these kids are can't do it? Is there something wrong with these kids? I need you to make a definitive statement. I don't don't I'm tired of the way that America wants to stand on all men are created equal, but we've never lived by that. We've never lived by that. And and the only times we do live by that is when black people and other people who are who are marginalized and at the bottom force this country to live by those ideals. That is the only reason why we have the diversity that we have in this country is because of my ancestors, because of the people, black people whose lives were sacrificed. Every time we made this country more just for us, it was more just for everybody. Every time we held white people accountable for their discrimination and mistreatment of us it, it held white people accountable for the discrimination and mistreatment for everybody that, that that sets precedent which means the next time a case happens in the courthouse uh they have they're going to usually do what they did before and that's because of what we did so everybody owes us everybody all the administrators everybody who's capitalizing on education you are a part of us not getting access to education and it's still the case because black kids are the ones being removed from these classrooms all of that to say you need to start hiring me or other people to do this training and not people who are going to sit there and make you feel good, but the people who are really going to make you feel uncomfortable because that's where the change is. The reality is, is that white people wanted to eradicate white supremacy. They absolutely could. And they are the only people that can. If, if black people could do it on their own, if my podcast and my trainings could do it by itself, then, then by God, we, then we, we'd be there. If my passion alone could eradicate white supremacy from schools, then it would, it would, it would be gone. But only white people can do this because they are the ones that are behind closed doors and they're all white meetings making decisions, making policy, making changes. You know, when you still look at the, the Congress and the White House, it's so funny because you get one person of color in there and y'all swear that like we're so good now that we're like 1% of color, 2% of color. It is still 90, you know, 90 to 95% white males in there. I don't care how much progress or, or white, um, how much progress we've made. It is still mostly white. And, and it's like... That's a problem. Those, those are the people that, that could absolutely make change if 
they saw the benefit. And what white folks need to understand is, hell yes, you're, you're suffering. That's why I've told you, you guys, you, there's an emptiness that you're, you're trying to fulfill with all of these things. And in your quest to fulfill that is very destructive for the rest of us. And we, and I, we really wish that y'all would just tap back into the earth, tap back into your identity as far as your ethnic identity, as part of a group, as part of ancestors, not in your individual identity, but who you are as a people, how you're connected to the earth and how you're connected to nature, how you're connected to your bodies, like feeling the rhythm of, of your heart feeling the rhythm of the universe like learning how to dance like just all of that like your inability to know yourself is killing not just you but us the earth everything we are unfortunately all intimately connected to you so your refusal to do any introspection is killing all of us so that being said (laughs) and that was a lot Schools need to do better. All disciplines need to do better. Everybody is intimately tied to this conversation. We're all connected to our schools. We're all connected to these young people that are going to grow up and run things and make decisions for us when we are, you know, aging and dying. You cannot refuse to be involved in the lives of like of young people like you, 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 you or you can but then when you're dealing with the aftermath of that, you know, don't get upset about it, right? Like if we don't take care of our youth, they're eventually going to be in a position where they can decide whether or not they're going to take care of us or how they're going to take care of us. So we all need to be intimately, and I'm sorry, um, yeah, we need, to be, we, need to, we need to be deeply concerned about what is happening in our schools. And we absolutely need to be holding our schools accountable and our administrators and our administrators need to be holding their staff accountable and our, our parents need to be, you know, and our community members need to be holding, you know I mean? This is, this is, this is the schools are a community institution. They're paid for by tax dollars. We can do better and we need to do better. And it's not enough to just make a statement like black lives matter, or, you know, we educate all kids. If you're not willing to actually make a change or make a difference, like the way I feel about it is just take a stance as a white supremacist and just like own that and stand, stand in it or, or make a difference. But you don't get to take this place of being neutral or trying to be like, you know, um, just because we don't talk about racism doesn't mean that your school is not racist. Uh, so I am going to sign off and do my self-care, but that is my message for educators, for, for parents, for school, for anybody who's in, in interested in this um, conversation. I have a couple workshops coming up that I want to let you know about where it's going to be a Black Wellness in Schools workshop on December 19th. I am very excited about the guests I have booked so far. So one of my guests is a um, black former police officer who went from being a police officer to being a youth advocate after he had this um, transformational experience. And I'll let him share the story. But I was really impressed talking to him. Because you know, I don't get down with 5-0. I had to really just interview him and be like, look, I saw this at former law enforcement. You know, what's that about? And to see where he was coming from. But I really think that he's going to, he has great insight about what the police actually can and cannot do because he he saw a lot of racism, you know, within his profession and he's he's um, willing to share um, that information. So I'm super excited to have him. Um, and then we're going to have Dr. Uh, uh, well, I want all I want I'll share later, but we're going to have a um, doctor who specializes in mental health around internalized racism. So dealing with African-Americans in the aftermath of of, you know, what happens when you go to 
these racist schools or these racist places where your mental health is not taken care of and then how that affects you on the long term. And she also went to the same racist high, uh, high school I did. Um, and then we'll have somebody else speaking to the college experience. So what does this look like, you know, in, in higher ed? And um, a lot of times, you know, black parents will think like, just get my kid to college. Like, let's just make sure they graduate and go to college and we're good. And you're, you're not good. You still need to, uh, the colleges still need to be decolonized as well. Their curriculum can still be very, you know, white centered. Like they're, they're, it's not just a case of, oh, they're in college, so everything's fine. And to really get an idea of, you know, what, what that looks like, what the expectations are. So I'm super excited. It's going to be moderated um, by a communication expert um, that I, I really am just excited about. And our last Black Wellness and Schools Forum got such um, positive feedback that I wanted to to do another one. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I wanted to do another one. It was an idea that I just came up with because I really wanted to serve Black families and really just wanted to equip you with as much information as possible from Black educators, um, from Black parents, and also just Black professionals, uh, just so that you have the information you need to equip yourself. And again, all of my attendees will receive a Black Wellness in Schools handbook that's going to be, or it is filled with so much information. It is, uh, the handbook alone is worth the price of admission uh, because the handbook has uh, a plethora of information as far as things to read, podcasts to listen to, not just my own, um, links, so many links. I think it's like 20 to 30 links and and that's links to um videos like information on Mansa Musa and um, Jesus, you know, being whitewashed. And um, let me see, Sarah Bartman, who was a, a black woman who was portrayed and um, exploited for her body parts and, and Black Wall Street and so many um, great videos and uplifting music for kids to listen to and groups for you to follow and what your rights are as parents, like what rights you have as parents um, in the school system, what rights you don't have um, in the school system. So it is a wealth of information as well as, um, of course, how to keep in touch with me. And you can keep in touch with me by following me on LinkedIn, Charla Stevens and the Ancestors. I was one of LinkedIn's top black voices to follow in 2020. That's right. Um, so you can follow me there. I'm also on uh, Facebook, my free Facebook group, The Anti-Racist Educator, Fighting White Supremacy in Schools. Um, oh, yes, this podcast. And then also I was, you can see my live stream on Dink. That's D-I-N-C. I think you have to download their app or sign up with them. But if you go to Dink TV, you can see my download there. And then I was also featured on System Systematic Diversity and Inclusion Group. You can see my um, conversation about the future of education as well. So again, um, workshop Black Wellness in Schools, December 19th. I might do another workshop on December 19th as well about identity. And if you would like to get in touch with me in order to do some professional development uh, with the school leaders um, in your area or your school district, you can email me at healingracisminschools at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful um, holiday for those of you who are celebrating. Um, And uh, this has been Charlotte Stevens and the Ancestors signing off.